And we are live for episode number 42 of the Bronx Bomber Battle Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Luz Luigi. And tonight, we, we got the full crew. It's Alex. Hello. It's Andrew. What's up, man? And it's G. Hey. Hey, and this is our uh, State of the Yankees podcast. It's our first one of the year. We're going to do three more of these, but this is the first one. Uh, we plan to do this at the quarter mark, and we're a bit past that. It's, you know, 50, 10, about 10 games past that, but doesn't matter. We're still going to review the season thus far. We're going to talk about all the injuries, give our favorite moments, our favorite storylines, uh, bold take until the All-Star break. We're, we're going to go through it all. Uh, biggest disappointment. But, you know, at the end of the day, teams this team's 34 and 18 this team's in first place who would have thought after you know not not the best the first couple of the weeks of the season we're not exactly good if you uh if you remember a lot of people were mad this team looked terrible they were having some lackluster performances and you know here they are 34 and 18 uh, unexpected guys coming through that's just been the theme the whole season um, just winning series after series. They've literally lost one series in the past like month and a half. This team's been playing unbelievable baseball. We're going to recap it the season so far. But, Andrew, just start us off, man. How, how, how happy are you with this team right now? Because it really is impossible to be mad at this team, except if you have a Twitter account and you have a New York Yankees emblem as your logo, as you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> man. If you had asked me this like three, four weeks ago, probably would have gotten a lot more of a lukewarm answer. But, I mean, what can you say about just the resurgence and, and the never-say-die attitude and, and just the, the grinded-out ability of this team to be where they are? I mean, 50 or so games in, we're what, two games above the Rays, mm-hmm. six and a half, I think, above Boston as of uh, Monday morning, Memorial Day. I mean, you look at all the guys that are on the injured list, the amount of guys that didn't even break camp with the team who were hurt in spring training, and there's no way that you would have told me they'd be where they are uh, back in, in February, and I would have believed you. I mean, it, it's, it, it's simply stunning, and there's nothing bad that I can say about the way the first 53 games have played out, 54 games, whatever it is, um, and then where they sit right now. Yeah, coming in, coming into this season, like I don't think we really had any high expectations. or we had high expectations, but it wasn't as high because you know Sevy was down, Didi was down, Dellen was out, Hicks was out. It was spring training was awful for the Yankees um, health wise. So we were all just kind of very depressed coming into the season, and then you know Andujar and Stanton went down, so it just the beginning of the season was awful. But the way that everyone all the replacements came in and just grinded through everything and uh, got back to, you know, they got back to 500. They ended up, they started winning some series and then they just went on a tear and the team as a whole, they just, nobody gives up. It's, it's insane how they like today, even though they lost today, they were down seven to one. And after winning the first, after winning both games, of the double header yesterday, they could have just been, they could have just said, you know what? we a six and one road trip is is fine. In, instead, they just battled back and ended up tying the game. It's the this whole season the team is just they haven't given up at all. They're so resilient, and it's it's a complete different team than last year, where you'd see a lot of games where 
you know, they'd be down, say, like, 5-2 to two in the sixth inning, and they'd have one hit the rest of the game. They just kind of give up and give in. So it's 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 really it's been a really really fun season so far. Yeah, I think it's been really interesting to watch. You know, even going back to before the season started, how the narrative has changed. Like you know, after the moves they made in the off season, we're all really excited. You know, thinking they would you know win a hundred games again and be really like a serious contender. And, um, you know, then people started to get hurt. And going into spring training, we have to even temper our excitement. People continue to get hurt. Um, you know, the first few weeks of the season were really, really not fun to watch. And, you know, they were losing games. They lost, like, an opening series at home against Baltimore. And, you know, then they started to really, you know, they had some guys just coming out of nowhere, right? They plucked Cameron Mabin out of AAA. That, you know, Gio Rochelle was playing games before too long, and they started to really – adopt this like never say die attitude and um you know they started to win and they got back and now they're in first place and they have some star power coming back before too long so i think it could get even more fun as the season goes on yeah um just really like i cameron maben like that's that just really describes the season to a t like yeah just picking up cameron maben and hey he's done a, a damn fine job but let's just get right into it right um let's Let's just, I mean, Alex kind of, you know, kind of started it off, but the amount of, you just kind of list all the injuries this team has had this season, and, you know, we're not even in June. I mean, Andujar, Stanton, Judge, Tulo, CeCe, Paxton, Gary for a little bit, Clint um, coming into the season, you know, Seve, Didi, uh, Hicks, Gumby, obviously Jacoby Ellsbury, that guy's been hurt for 10 years. Um, it's it's just incredible how this team has sustained this. Um, it, it guys going – I mean, look, it really started the first weekend of the year. Um, after that first weekend series, it, it was announced within hours of each other that Andujar and Stanton were both out, right? Like, we haven't seen Stanton since. Um, we saw Andujar for a week, and he was clearly not anywhere close to 100%. And now he's out for the year. So, I mean, we've pretty much – like, at this point, St- like Giancarlo Stanton this year has played three games. Tulowitzki's played five games. Um, Greg Bird, 10 games. Even Hicks, who's back now, has still only played 10 games. Um, it, it's just Aaron Judge, I believe, only played um, – Aaron Judge only played 20 games, so he, he's been out for more than half the season. It, it really is incredible how this team has sustained so many of their star players, so many of their players that coming into the season – they were relying on just they, they haven't been there. Um, well, really, a guy like a guy like Gary, we forget that Gary. You know, he was out for a little bit, right? It was only a couple of weeks. It, it felt like nothing compared to all the injuries this team's had. But you know, there, there's been some. There's been a, so many injuries. Uh, honestly, if I think I don't think any of us ended up picking it, but if you wanted to say the biggest disappointment this year was the Yankees' strength and conditioning staff, you'd be you'd be damn right in saying that because. My God, there's we've talked about it before, but there's got to be something going on. That it's a deeper issue with all, this team getting all these injuries, man. It, it's it's ridiculous. But let's just start it off. Uh, gee, what was what's your favorite storyline of the, of the season so far? So far for the season, my favorite storyline has definitely been uh, Gio Urshela. Coming out of, you know, coming out of AAA, really coming out of nowhere and just being a hero, right? Like, 
it seems like a countless amount of times, you know, game tying hits, you know, go ahead hits, run scoring hits, and he's in stark contrast to Miguel Andujar, you know, speedy recovery to him, but he plays great defense. And um, I mean, he got eaten alive. He had a really tough game, you know, losing the game against the Royals with a bad hop, but it's really shouldn't take anything away from um, just, again, he came out of nowhere and he's been a huge lift and a hero to this team. And one of those like, you know, kind of emblematic of the scrappy underdog um, attitude that the team has really adopted. Yeah, um, Andrew, uh, favorite storyline of the year? For me, uh, I've been absolutely thrilled with the resurgence of, of Gary Sanchez. I mean, there's no point in, in getting into how much he struggled last year. Everyone knows everything he went through, multiple trips to um, the injury list. It was called the disabled list back then uh, with, what was it, the groin injuries. He had a big game, too, in the ALDS against Boston. Really carried us to the only win we got in that series. But all in all, he still had just a tragic year in 2018. And coming into this year, there was talk about, you know, maybe – Gary kind of peaked in 2016, 2017, and Brian Cashman screwed up by not trading him for JT Realmuto. Gary Sanchez will never be the guy we want him to be or think he can be ever again. It's kind of just a flash in the pen. And Gary has put a resounding no on all of those questions that that were put on him coming into the year. I mean, as of Sunday night, sitting 265, 15 home runs, which leads the team, is what, third in all of the American League, uh, 31 home runs, OPS a little south of 1,000. I mean, the guy is the, the, the one impact bat in the middle of the lineup that, that every team needs. And as beat up as we are without Judge, without Stanton, you know, still without DD for another couple of weeks, I mean, Gary is that, that menace in the middle of the lineup that this team has needed. And, and I've absolutely loved every moment of it. Um, you know, you go back to the, what was it, the third series of the year in, in Baltimore. He hit that, that three home run game. It seems like he's absolutely tormented Baltimore, kind of like Glaber Torres has. But Gary's come up with big moments, you know, all throughout the year. He hit a couple of just absolute monster bombs in, in San Francisco, uh, a road trip a couple weeks ago. Uh, he's playing, you know, he's throwing a couple balls into center field. On, uh, on a couple, couple times, but he but he's thrown out a bunch of, of, of guys too. Mm-hmm. Made a couple nice plays at the plate on you know catching a ball up the line and still making the tag to record the out. I mean, he's played very very well, and there's nothing that I could want more from him. You know, save for maybe a couple you know of those balls that that he threw away on pickoff attempts. But outside of that, I mean, his defense is good. His pitch framing is is very good. Um, the pass balls haven't really been, really been an issue, and of course he's mashing at the plate. So um, I, I've absolutely loved everything I've seen from Gary Sanchez so far this year. Yeah, great to have scary Gary back, uh, mashing Gary back. Uh, Alex, storyline of the season so far. So for me, my storyline of the year is Domingo Herman's emergence because mm-hmm. he was one last year where he was the stereotypical has all the like he was the Michael Pineda of 2018. He had flashes of brilliance where you saw he had just had nasty stuff, but he could not control it. And he would just give up so many runs last year in 21 games and 14 starts. He had a 557 ERA. 
And that was an 85 innings pitch. He still had over 100 strikeouts, but he mm-hmm. gave up 15 home runs in 85 innings. He gave up uh, 53 earned runs. It was an 81 hits. It just it was not pretty. And one of the things was that like he when in the first inning he would always give up a bunch of runs, and then after that you kind of settle down. But this year he seems like he's really put it all together and figured out how to fix his problems and. It is a little bit uh, of bad timing with uh, his start today against the Royals, where he gave seven runs. But yeah, what the hell are you doing, Alex? He had one bad start. Yeah, I know. Storyline the year he sucks. Um, but overall, he's been he's been the Yankees' best pitcher. And one thing that I keep hearing is that he's basically been a replacement Severino because uh, it, this season so far he's nine. And one with a three point three four. Nine and two now. Two no, he now. didn't. He didn't get a loss today. Oh yeah, that's that's right. They tied it. You know that <laughs> it was like a foregone conclusion that he was going to get the loss. But, yeah, oh, those, those Yankees. And like three point four three ERA in sixty innings pitched. Like you couldn't really have asked any more of that from Severino. Mm-hmm. So he's not only become a like a solid starting pitcher. He's become one of the best pitchers in the American League. So I think his overall research, like emergence as just a really, really uh, filthy pitcher has been one of the most interesting things for me. Yeah, and you know, Alex, you said you know his ERA was high last year, and that was with you know those signs of like those flashes of brilliance. You know, he still had just terrible numbers, but you're like, yeah, but he, you know, he'd he have like a couple good innings, but then he'd mm-hmm. have a few where he just blew up. Yeah, and I think I remember saying that I trusted Giant Lasagna more than Herman coming into the year. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm that giving is- myself a neck for that. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm a dumbass. Uh, my favorite storyline of the year so far. I'm gonna go with Luke Voigt proving that he's for real. Um, a lot of people didn't think you know, that was a big storyline coming into the year. You know, a lot of people didn't think he was going to keep up what he, you know, what he was doing last year. And man, he pretty much has. Man, obviously the average isn't as high as it was last year, but he's getting on base almost every game. He had that ridiculous on base streak that ended a few weeks ago. Uh, he's mashing balls. He just hit a ball 470 feet over the weekend. The dude. I mean, look, he's obviously not the best defensive first baseman, but. Man, the dude mashes, and he's just – I love his approach at the plate. Got the nice high on base percentage. He, he's just been – him proving that he's for real has just been such a key. Because just think of it, man. He's – like him and LeMahieu. I mean, LeMahieu missed that like one, two-game set against Arizona. But, I mean, Voight has really been like the one guy that's kind of been there like all year out of like the, you know, the core of the Yankees. Like him and Glaber. It's just, you know, he's played in 50 games. He's almost played in, like, every game. Uh, and that's that goes a long way when most of your team ends up on the I.L. at some point in the season, right? Uh, the best ability is availability at that point. But, yeah, man, because 13 homers for Voight, he's only a, a couple behind Gary. Uh, he's He's been awesome this year, man. And like, like I said on the last show or a couple shows ago, he's right now he's in the driver's seat to be the – uh, AL All-Star at first base. Uh, he's having that good of a year. Um, let's move on to uh, – what do we have next? Uh, favorite moment of the season. Um, Alex, start us off. What, what's been your favorite moment of the season? So there's been so many moments this season where that could qualify for this. But one of – the one that really stood, stood out to me was um, the game-tying two-run home run that Gio Urshela had against the Mariners. Uh, a couple weeks ago, 
where the Yankees they that this was a game where the um there was really nothing that happened in the first two thirds of the game. I believe it was either two to one or three to one going into the eighth or ninth inning. And then things gave up a run or two, made it four to one. And it just, it was one of those games where you just saw it and you're like, okay, this is, it's a, it's a, it's going to be a loss. They're, they're dead in the water, but they ended up um, scoring another run. And then in the ninth inning off of former Yankee great Anthony Swarzak, Gio tied the game by hitting a bomb into a, uh, Monument Park, and it ended up leading to the Yankees winning the game, which that was it. It was one of my favorite moments, just because I I had absolutely no faith in the Yankees for winning that game. And then once Geo came up, this was you know he was doing pretty well, but it was in the point of the season where you basically could just guess that he's yeah he you don't know whether he's a fluke or not you know with his hitting. But once he hit that home run, that was that was really the like kick, like oh my god, Geo is—he might actually be good. So it's just that, and over, just the ability to come back from the dead and tie the game like that and end up win was uh, my favorite moment. Gee, favorite moment on the year. So my favorite moment for the season so far is the uh, Gary Sanchez three home run game early in the season in Baltimore, and. Um, you know, the Yankees, they opened the season against Baltimore at Yankee Stadium. They lost the series. It was very just disgusting, you know, overall effort. And people started getting hurt right away. And it, it sucked, you know. And so they went down to Baltimore a couple of days later, you know, early April. And Gary Sanchez, April 7th, hit, had a three-home run game. And, um, you know, I just – it's been awesome. That moment – well, that, you know, that game specifically, but really set the tone for his season – because, you know, from that day on, and he was just hitting moonshots, like he had three bombs, you know, and he's been hitting bombs all season long. And I, that moment for me, that game, you know, really set the tone for a season where he's been, the, like Andrew said before, the slugger that they've needed, the absolute terror in the middle of the lineup that they've needed all season. You know, it's funny you mentioned uh, the the series in Baltimore that kind of really turned – uh, turn around their season. I'm actually not going in this direction with my favorite moment, um, but the I believe it was the day before, right? That three home run game by Gary was the the game where Clint had that big um, that big home run late in the game to either I think they were down by run and put them up by one or two runs. I feel like that kind of like was like a big watershed moment, a you know kind of really turn around the season. Um, but actually, for me, my my favorite moment uh, on the season was. Um, the, the Friday night walk-off win against um, Tampa Bay. I think up to this point in the season, that has been their biggest series. Um, coming into a three-game set at home against the team at the time that was in first place in the division with a chance to capture first place for the first time all year. Um, Kendrick Morales had an absolute nuke in, in the fourth, second inning of that game. And the Yankees didn't really do anything the rest of the game. Um, Chad Green came in late, gave up a couple runs, and it looked like, well, this is just – there was a rain delay. It looked like it was going to be one of those just lackluster, typical kind of fadeaway games that the Yankees pull once once a week or once every 10 days or whatnot. But the rally in the ninth inning was was something special. Um, first pitch, Voight unloads on a 98-mile-per-hour fastball uh, to pull him within one. 
Uh, and then just the, the, the rally culminating in um, the, the walk-off RBI single from Gio Urshela. I feel like that was one of the most monumental moments of the season so far. Yeah, that was an awesome win. That, that was such an awesome win. Um, I, yeah, I feel like, like that win itself captured everything that this team was about. You know, we've said stuff like never say die, gritty. Um, you know, you're up against Jose Alvarado, who has absolutely filthy stuff. Um, and, and a team that is in first place, you know, there's a stigma that the Yankees had that they weren't really beating a lot of a lot of good teams. They were kind of just beating up on the bad teams. And again, they kind of just, you know, grabbed victory from the jaws of defeat there. And I had loved, loved that game. Yeah, that's, that's a great moment, honestly. Um, you know, I'm going to go with a bit of a, a bit of a funnier moment. Um, actually happened, you know, pretty recently this past week. Um, my favorite moment is Glaber Torres hitting his 10th home run on the season against the Orioles, uh, his 12th overall, and G- Gary Thorne just absolutely dying inside. Um, I'm just going to play the call again because it's that great. I've played it before on the pod, but it-, it deserves to be played again because, my God, th- this is a great moment. Torres way back up and... I don't even know. Goodbye, home run. I mean, last two at-bats, he's hit home runs numbers 11 and 12 on the season. And now... I mean, just the the tone of defeat in his voice. And that's he's been doing this a long time. And, I mean, he just sounded so defeated. It really was one of those moments where, you know, you're watching that game and, when, when Glaber hit that, you're just like, you kind of just, I just, I remember I just started laughing. Like, I, I just started kind of like, get the fuck out of here. Like, there's no way he just hit another home run. Like, like the 10 home runs against Baltimore. We were talking about it. The record's 14 against the team. He he could do that. He's going to have to go on another power surge when the Yankees face Baltimore again in August. But, man, that was Glaber's domination of Baltimore overall. And Gary, to be fair, because I think he's only one home run behind. Uh, Glaber in terms of Baltimore, but yeah, that that was my favorite moment of the season. Uh, Glaber just actually just bruning the Baltimore's dreams. So they really don't have that many dreams. To to be fair, they're pretty bad. But yeah, let's uh let's move on to a little bit of a somber note. Um, biggest disappointment. Who wants to start off with their biggest disappointment? Uh, someone take the floor. I'll I'll start it off. Um, my biggest disappointment for the season was basically the entire storyline of Miguel Andujar because he had such a good year last year, finished you know second in the Rookie of the Year voting. Should have been first, um, but let's not get started on that. He was first. What the hell are you talking about? Dude? <laughs> I don't know but, what you're talking about. And then, you know, third game of the season, he tears his – he just destroys his shoulder um, and – you know, they think he's going to be out for the year. He opts not to have surgery, tries to work back, um, ends up getting back and just has no, like, anything. At the yeah, point. it was so he, tough to watch. He, he was legitimately painful to watch. I want to say he went, f- he was like three for 40 or something insane like that, where he just, he, you could tell he, like, Luigi said earlier, you could tell he had absolutely nothing. Like, he had no strength at all. He had 
he had no approach or anything. He was just trying to prove to himself that he could still play. And he ended up doing the right thing by getting the surgery. Now he's out for the year, but he'll be back next year. And I think just that whole uh, line of events is just really, really disappointing and just sad overall for a guy who had such a good year last year that his so- sophomore year just ha- is goes this terribly. I'll go next. Um, mine is along the same lines, but... Um, I guess a different tone. Um, Alex, you kind of mentioned that Andor's injury is disappointing, more so in that it's sad and that we all like the guy and we feel for him and he really gave it a shot and it just wasn't there. Um, mine's a little more frustration. Uh, I'm going to go with the, the recurring injuries of, of John Carlos Stanton. Started off as uh, the bicep strain, which is since long, uh, long healed. Um, then it became what a shoulder strain. Um, he was just recently shut down last week with a calf strain, which I, that seems fishy to me. I mean, you don't get hit by a pitch. I don't care how hard the, the pitch is thrown. You don't get hit by a pitch and need to be shut down for seven to 10 days. It seems like the team is covering up something else. Like maybe he twisted his ankle and, and pulled the muscle um, or fell down in, in the shower at his, at his apartment in Tampa I, or something weird like that. Like I, I, I can't imagine he take he took a pitch. I, even they said it was his knee slash calf, which leads me to believe it was higher up on the calf towards the ligaments in his knee. Um, but even then, I mean, unless it's something serious and we're going to find that he needs surgery. I mean, God forbid that. That would be devastating news. Um, it, it just seems weird that you just get hit by a pitch and now you can't play for a week. Uh, I mean, it, it, wasn't he dealing with a calf strain all year last year too? Or was that uh, a different muscle on his leg? I, I know he was dealing with something last year. Was, I don't think it was a calf hamstring. Yeah, it wasn't his calf. Hamstring. Okay, yeah. hamstring. Yeah, you can work through that a little more, I guess. But it's just, it's really disappointing because you know, you go back to our our, our preseason shows. I think both myself and Luigi said like Stanton could put up MVP type mm-hmm. numbers. Like he had a a rough first year adjusting to to New York. And when we say rough, take that with a grain of salt because he had 38 home runs and drove in 100 runs. But we kind of expected, like, this guy could hit, like, 280, 45 home runs, driving a buck 20. Like, this is it. We're, we're ready for it. And he has played three games of 52 this year. It, it's just super depressing. Yeah, not great. No, not, not great. Uh, gee, yeah. all you. Uh, so I'm going to go with um, the season that Brett Gardner has had to date. And – I didn't have like tremendously high expectations for him, but you know, there was definitely an opportunity for him there. You know, we talked about John Carlston, but the Yankees outfield depth has been absolutely decimated by injuries this year. Uh, you know, with judge and, you know, Clint Fraser has even hurt for a while. Like everyone, you know, they dipped in a triple A to get camera maybe and like all these guys like Brett Gardner hadn't played center field every day for several years at this point. And uh, even, you know, had lost really his everyday spot and, uh, you know, starting spot to Andrew McCutcheon last year. You know, now people get hurt and there's an opportunity for him really to step back in and um, and play every day and beat the center fielder and beat the leadoff hitter. And, um, you know, it just didn't last very long, you know, up until maybe this past week when he got pretty hot, had a bunch of extra base hits. There was just not much, you know, he hit six or seven home runs to the season, you know, to this point in the season. But, 
you know, it didn't last very long before he got moved down. You know, he, you know, got, you know, quickly overtaken by DJ LeMay, who has been really great at the top of the lineup. Like, I, I'm going to maybe try and spin it now more as like it's a, you know, just an aging player who's kind of running out of gas. But it just sucks because there was a, a tremendous opportunity for him there and he really didn't take advantage of it. Yeah, um, definitely not Gardy's best year. He's been doing a little better lately, but overall, not the best from Guardia. My biggest disappointment, I'm going to go with Chad Green just being uh, abominable, being awful. Uh, you know, I, I know someone like Andrew really didn't have high hopes for Chad Green, but, you know, I'm, I'm someone that has, uh, you know, thought highly of Chad Green. And, uh, you know, I wasn't expecting him to be, like, you know, the best relief pitcher in baseball this year, but I wasn't expecting him to have a, 12.15 ERA and be demoted to AAA at one point. Um, man, he's given up six home runs this year. Uh, ERA above nine. He he's just floating fastballs down the middle, mid low nineties. Uh, it he he really he's just been awful. Um, even since he's come back, he had that right. He struck out the side against Tampa in his first outing back. We all thought he was going to be going back to the old Chad Green. And, you know, uh, since then, he's thrown four and two-thirds innings. He's given up four runs. It hasn't been great, you know. He's only gotten 13 strikeouts on the season in 13 and third innings. He's he's walking guy. It's it's Chad Green's been so bad, man. Um, I, I, I He's been my big, biggest disappointment. What else can I say about the guy? Uh, look. I, coming into the year, if we had to do a bullpen trust list coming into the year, I probably would have had Chad Green like top three. Uh, I probably would have had him behind, you know, with the Tanzas being out. I probably would have had him behind, uh, you know, Chappie and Ottavino because we didn't expect this from Canley. You know, Britain was still a little bit of a question mark. You know, I had confidence in Green, and man, he's it's really bummed me out. You know, because like he he came back, looked good, and now he's he's back to being bad again. So. Guys, any any other honorable mentions for storyline of the season? Uh, you know, favorite moment of the season. Any any honorable mentions that were left on the cutting room floor that you guys thought of? I was I'll give mine real quick. I, I was going to say Tyro Estrada as my favorite storyline of the season because he's been awesome. Guy didn't expect him to be part of the Yankees this year, but man, he, he's been really damn good both in the field and at the plate. Yeah, I second the Tyro Estrada love there. More specifically, Tyro Estrada usurping Tyler Wade as a player on the Major League roster because I'm very okay with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can't, you know, can't argue with that, man. Tyler Wade. I, I'm glad no one picked him as a disappointment because, you know, the, the hopes weren't high to begin with. But, yeah, you know, uh, Tyro Estrada, definitely, definitely worth shouting out. Um Let's we got to talk about Mike Talkman, man. That guy was an MVP candidate. <laughs> so good. Oh, my goodness. I do not love Mike Talkman. The theme sucks, man. I'm never afraid. I think the pod moment of the year so far was when I just said I fucking hate Mike Talkman, and then he goes on the tear of all tears, like the, the series after. The day um, after that, he hit a triple <laughs> off Chris Sale. <laughs> to be fair, Chris Sale has like two wins in the last year. So he has really one, exactly. He has yeah, exactly yeah, one. Yeah. He's one in six this year. And it was against the White Sox. So, yeah. Honorable mention is for me is James Paxton dominating the Red Sox at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that definitely could have been – it was a candidate for moment of the year. because Definitely, definitely trying to see more of that second half of the season. 
Yeah, yeah. Hopefully he's back Wednesday. Um, guys, Easter wait, Sunday walk off against the Royals was a good game too. Um, I believe Chad Green was was at the center of that blow up too. I know Adovino gave up the big hits when Casey came back and tied the game. Yeah, um, but the was, Yankees rallied in that one. Uh, Romine had the, had the walk off. Um, that was a fun game. Uh, honestly, you could have even just put biggest disappointment as Chad Green versus the Angels. <laughs> Because wasn't that the game that was? That was the worst game. Yeah. That was the worst. Like, that was the worst like, game. Came in with a seven-one lead, mm-hmm. loaded the bases, gave up a grand slam, got yanked. Yeah, it was just in the bag, and then all of a sudden it wasn't. Yeah, it was the Chad Green special. That was his last. Well, that was the game that Mike Ford got his first home run. Yeah, and it was like, oh, we're coasting. Finally, just an easy win on the West Coast, and of yeah, course, was, Chad Green came another, in and made yeah. a sweat of that till two in the morning. Mike Ford, there's another guy that contributed this year, right? Yep. Another nice story. Yeah. Speaking cool. of the Angels series, too, and an uh, a not a honorable mention for moment of the year was the fourteen, 14 inning game, game yeah. where Geo had the two clutch hits to put the Yankees ahead twice. Another honorable mention for moment of the year: Cece getting his three thousand strikeout right in Arizona. That was awesome. Um, you know, the big. Hopefully, he gets his two hundred fiftieth win and the next few starts. The only right? memorable moment of that series, really. That was the last series that they lost. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Yep, and it was only a two game set. But yep, um, guys, I'll start off with uh, you, Alex. How is this team going to handle all, you know all these guys coming off the injury list? Like who who's losing their spot? What's going to happen? You know, because we've seen you know in, in all all sports when you have guys that have a certain role. It's tough to just take a step back and have that same, you know, bring that same energy when you're not playing as much. So, how's this team going to handle all, all these guys coming back? Because, you know, they're coming back uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. But, yeah. It's going to take a lot of uh, finagling because a lot of the play, everyone is playing, you know, for the, for the most part, everyone's playing really well right now. So, there's no obvious option of who basically to send down. Like, Obviously, have you know Joe Harvey, the you know the last man in the bullpen. Obviously, can go down. Um, Tyro will probably go down at some point. But I would like to think that overall, they kind of embrace everyone coming back, and that help that you know helps them become an even better team. Where I feel like, like I was saying before, this team is different from the one last year because last year they would have, if all these injuries had happened, they and they still were playing well, and then players came back. I think that may have actually. Uh, cause them to not play as well after that because um, everyone who it kind of would have hurt team morale, you know, to just every have everyone be holding down the fort and then they just get sent down. But I think with this team that the Yankees have, getting everyone back is it's going to be sad to see a lot of the players who've contributed a lot go down, but at the same time, it's going to be exciting for us and for the team to get back, you know, all the regular players that we were excited to see. Yeah, and especially look at the guys you're getting back. You're going to get back Didi, who's one of the leaders in the clubhouse. Dylan Batances, believe it or not, is one of the longer-tenured players on this team. Second, uh, he's second longest-tenured player behind Gardner, right? And Sabathia. And CeCe, yeah. Did Alex have a – this is the show yeah. where Alex had a stroke. Yeah, I forgot CeCe. Oh, yeah, okay, like, okay. We well, forgot okay. Derek Jeter. I just, just mentioned CeCe like a minute ago. Okay, okay. Shame. Shame. Yeah, fun fact about Dylan Batances. He was the reliever who Mariano came in for in his final game. Everyone remembers Matt Daly replaced Rivera, but Rivera came in for Dellen. Um, I always remember. I don't, so you think Dellen all the way back to 2013. Um, oh yeah, so the, and the guys you're getting, 
um, back are, are you know, long-tenured Yankees. They're, they're, they're leaders. And I, and I agree, Alex, that's part of what, what you're giving up in the culture of these guys who've been here and contributed, and they all like each other, and they all have, have this bond going on, and that's going to that's gonna suck a little bit. Um, I think more interestingly is not the, the roster construction, but how is Aaron Boone going to actually figure out lineups every day? Um, I've been listening to a lot of sports talk radio in New York the past Mike week or so. Mike Francis, uh, this is specifically. I, I, Mike Francis is always on when I drive home from work, <laughs> and I always listen to it because it amuses me how <laughs> dumb the callers are. Everyone talking, you either have the, the, the Urshela stands, people who like, you know, we're knowledgeable fans. We watch all the games. We understand what he's doing. People who are just like, oh, 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 so that guy, uh, Urshela, duh, he's awesome, right? Uh, and then you get the people who are just like, oh, I, he, he's not good. You know, the people who, who, who are on Twitter today saying like, well, he's not really a good defensive third baseman. He should have made that play, even though there was no third base in the league outside of maybe Nolan Arenado who could have handled that hop. Like, <laughs> it's going to be interesting. I mean, Gio's a guy, he's hitting, what, 335, 340 at this point? There's there, no yeah. way you can't just not play him. And he's been um, so clutch. But at the same time, like, you're not obviously going to, you know, you're not going to, pull Voight out unless you DH him and move Morales to first base. I mean, I don't even know if Kendrick Morales has a spot on this, on, on this roster more than another few weeks anyway, but like, what are you going to do? You're going to maybe DH Voight and put LeMahieu at first and Glaber at second and Didi at short and Urshela at third. Like, I, I don't see that as, as a possibility. It's going to be really interesting to see how they make five infielders work on a rotating schedule and everyone still gets to play, you know, five times a week. Um, speaking of Mike Francesa really quick, uh, he has some vital information on Aaron Judge's return. So until he'll come back when he's ready. So until he's ready, he's not ready. Wow. <laughs> you guys not heard it here first on the pod. <laughs> you heard it here Aaron first. Judge Aaron will be Judge ready when he's ready. ready. He will come back. Yeah, that honestly quick, quick shout out to back after this. That's if you want Mike Francesa clips, that's that's like the best Twitter page of all time. Yeah. I gotta say though, in in Francesa's defense, because of how bad the callers have been the past week or so, he's actually been a lot more level headed and he hasn't kind of flown off the rails. And at least when he talks baseball, when he talks basketball and and golf and horse racing. It's a total crapshoot yeah. right no, now. But, but like his baseball takes the last week or so have been pretty good, especially because the Mets fans have no idea what they're talking about when they call in. Uh, and, and the Yankee fans who are ignorant and saying like, you know, this, this, and this, that's like completely, complete nonsense. He's like, all right, like you gotta, you gotta get some kind of perspective. So <laughs> he's actually been pretty good. Oh man. Also, uh, not to get going to Mike Francesa wormhole, but, Apparently, he would rather have Mad Bum than Max Scherzer for the Yankees, and he'd give the Giants anything they want for him. So, you know, that's bad. <laughs> that's really bad. <laughs> oh man! All right, G, G, what what do you think is going to happen with you know all these guys going off the injured list, and you know who's who's losing their spot? Really, I mean, I'm most interested to see like how the outfield situation gets sorted out because mm-hmm. that's where like the majority of the replacement quote unquote replacement players have been. I think Clint probably had to spend some time down in triple a unless they don't really care to lose Cameron Maven. You know, it's hard to say because, you know, Maven can play all three outfield positions. Clint 
we really know that he can't. So, yep. <laughs> um, but you know, Gardy, I don't think they're going to just cut him. You know, he he's definitely going to be on the roster. Uh, Stanton and you know, Judge is going to be the everyday right fielder. Stanton can play the outfield, and uh, you know, Judge and Stanton are going to play every day. Hicks is a center fielder, so it's really about who they care to lose. And I think that Clint will probably have to go down for at least a little while, just because. Um, you know, they'll probably enjoy having more defensive versatility. And uh, I mean, they've, they've probably been carrying an extra pitcher, right? I think they've carried a short bench for a while now. Like, I think I'd like to see them go and kind of flip that and carry an extra man on the bench for a while because they have some useful guys. And I think instead of, you know, outright cutting a man loose, that it would be like, you know, good for them, especially with, you know, all the guys that have been hurt, you maybe carry an extra guy who can play multiple spots and you don't have to, uh, you know, waste him in and get rid of him. The tricky thing about that, though, is that once you have Dellen back, you very you know, you know have very limited uh, bullpen flexibility. And they like having right now two open spots for guys that can go back and forth between AAA and the bigs. Mm-hmm. Um, you had guys like Jake Barrett before he got hurt. You have had Nestor Cortez come up and down. You've had Chance Adams come up and down. You've had Joe Harvey come up and down. Um, when you have Dallin Batantis in there, a guy who doesn't have any more options, it's just another veteran guy who has to be on the roster. You have one less spot of flexibility. So one less guy who, you know, like a guy like Cortez is probably going to get sent down tomorrow. No fault of his own. I mean, they'll bring him back up in four or five days probably, but he pitched 70 pitches today and he has no use to that bullpen for the next few days. Mm-hmm. He can't pitch again. Um, so it's good to have a spot like that for a guy who can come up and down, you know, eat some innings and then they can move him off the roster for a few days and then bring him back when he's available again. And when you have more veterans in, in the bullpen, you, you lose that flexibility. So I don't know if they can go short on the bullpen. Well, I mean, I think when you get a guy like Batanz's back, right. In theory, that's going to mean that most like, you know, most nights your eighth and your ninth innings are going to be accounted for and you bump everyone down. Like, maybe it means that you don't have like a, you know, a Jake Barrett or a Nestor Cortez on the, um, on the roster, but you know, that would, be but then, but then Sess is your long guy, right? And then, then Luis Sess is your long guy. And if he pitches 50, 60 pitches one day, then you have to play a man short for four days. Cause they're not going to sit him down. They can't, he doesn't have options either. I feel like so I mean, you're kind of, you're kind of hamstrung, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think in my opinion, the thing that was really hamstringing the bullpen to this point in the season was the Yankees, thinking that Chad Green was going to be much better than he has been. Like, right. Well, at least with him, like, they can send him down if they need to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the thing that's caused the most problems, right? Because you could be like, yeah, well, Dallin's back. Chad Green can pitch the fifth inning now if we need him to, but he can't because he's been inconsistent and outright bad at times. Like, you know, if he, he's maybe overall better than, like, uh, Jake Barrett or Joseph Harvey or whatever, but, I mean – that's my biggest problem, I guess, in terms of going short. That would be the, the biggest cause of an issue for me is that Chad Green's unreliable. Right. Well, it makes sense. Like when, when you when you have a, a good starting performance and you just need to, you know, fill two, three innings in the back end, you're not going to have – I mean, look at a game like today. You're going to have blow-up starts. You're going to have games where you're up by seven, eight runs and you want to pull your starter after five innings. You're not going to use Adovino in those spots either. You know, like not every – you know, the – the game will dictate how you use your bullpen, and not every game is going to play out the same. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Um, guys, uh, let's uh, wrap this show up, wrap this State of the Yankees pot up with our bowl prediction up until the All-Star break. Um, 
I'll start it off. I'm going to go ahead and say that Masahiro Tanaka makes the all-star team. Um, you know, he really – he really. Just, I mean, I know obviously wins aren't really an indication of how well a pitcher's pitched, but, you know, he's only had three wins on the season, uh, 2.94 ERA. Whip looks great. He's looked great. He's really only had two bad starts um, that – and they were both in April, the one against the White Sox and the one against the Angels. But <clears throat> in his last – Five starts. He's allowed three runs or less in all five starts. He's he threw, you know, he's thrown great against the uh, threw great against the Baltimore last start. Um, I, I just I love watching Masa pitch. He's probably my favorite pitcher to watch on the staff, and I think he's going to start getting really hot. I, I see it, and I think he's going to wind up on the All Star team. Uh, am, am I crazy for thinking that? It is. Is he just too? Does he just give up too many home runs to for him to get voted in, or am I just? I think there's definitely a chance that he could. He yeah. has to. He definitely has to limit the home runs. But as long as, you know, he if he if they're just solo shots, if he does limit them, I think there's definitely a chance that he could he could make it. And to be fair, he kind of has cut down the home runs a bit this year. He's only allowed eight, and he hasn't allowed a home run in four starts, and he has allowed a home run in seven starts. So. Not not bad, right? He's definitely not Jay Hat back there. Um, <laughs> Alex, uh, bold prediction the rest of the year. Or All right, year, I'm going to predict that by the time the All-Star break rolls around, Gary Sanchez is going to lead the American League in home runs. Um, as of right now, he's tied for third. with He is 15. George Springer is 17. Eddie Rosario is 16. And Bregman, Joey Gallo, and Sanchez all have 15. As of right now, Springer is injured. Um and Rosario, Bregman, and Gallon are all Gallo are all Gallon. Gallon. <laughs> Joey Gallon. Joey They're all Gallon good, like but I think Sanchez, um, he definitely has a shot of you know, going on another classic Sanchez tear and just taking over the lead in home runs. I would love to see it. Um gee, well what's your bullet prediction? I'm going to predict that by the time the All-Star break rolls around, the Yankees will have a five-game lead in the American League East. Um, why not 10? Well, why are you going small? Why not like a 12-game lead, dude? Yeah, it's hot take season. Come on. <laughs> hot takes. I can't, even, I can't even come up with a good one on the top of my head. Uh, they're currently two games up on the Rays. They are six and a half games up on the Red Sox. The Red Sox have been coming on a little bit. And, you know, the Yankees are going to play the Red Sox at least a few times before the All-Star break. But, um, you know, the Yankees looks like they'll be getting Didi back within a few weeks. Paxton, hopefully this week. Stanton, who knows. But, you know, Troy Tulowitzki, maybe soon after that, you know, they'll have some healthy bodies coming back. And I think they could maybe continue this run that they're on. And um, the Rays have played a pretty average stretch of baseball the last 20 or so games. They're kind of up and down around 500. I think the opportunity is definitely there for the Yankees to stretch this lead and, and, you know, have it be a very different circumstance than what we were looking at last year. All right. Mine, I'm going to say that um, Aaron Hicks is going to get white hot and end with, let's say 10 home runs by, by the All-Star break. And he only has, I believe, one right now. 
And it would take a pretty significantly um, hot June. But uh, I've seen some things in, in the past few days that um, so that he's, he's kind of finding his, his game back. It was a little rough watching him his first games back. Um, he did have a big game-tying two-run single in Sunday afternoon's game. Um, Yankees obviously ended up losing in extras anyway, but it was still a big hit nonetheless. Um, I think Hicks... You know how, how smooth his swing looks when he connects. I mean, that home run he hit off, who was it? Charlie Morton last Sunday was just, mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it it was, was perfect, man. Hicks bombs are so nice. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, him hitting at the top of the lineup, whether it be first or second, um, is going to add a lot of depth um, to, to the lineup. Of course, the left-handed bat is, is significant in its own right. Well, he's a switch hitter, but... Um, I, I think he can get really, really hot, and that adds a whole other you know, layer to the offense with Gary, like, like Alex, if, Al, if, if both my predictions and Alex predictions come true, that's a scary lineup. You have Hicks and Gary mashing. I mean, even if just one of those two guys get white hot, I mean, that, 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 that that's good news for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hicks being back. It's great to have. He made a beautiful play in center field today. Probably didn't need to jump, but just, just a nice little reminder of how great of a defensive outfielder he is. And yeah, he also, Drops bombs too, so great to have everything. Yep, pimps walks, pimps singles, pimps pimps doubles. He uh, pimps it all. Um, well, guys, uh, anything else? Anything we else you want to talk about? All the stuff that's happened so far this season. Uh, J Hap sucks. J Hap fucking sucks. We could have put that as the biggest disappointment too, but too many. Yeah, times. I, no one said that. I mean, I didn't because I coming into the year, I even said like I wasn't expecting much from him, so I really can't say he's been a disappointment for me. I, I kind of expected him to to do this. No, I didn't I like expect we him to give up forty home off. runs. But what was our over under for him early in there? Did we say like ERA? It was like I four? think I predicted him to have like a four point five ERA. I yeah, probably, yeah, I think I was there I with predicted you too. Him to have a low ERA. Yeah, I mean, he's still a lot of season left, right? But he's at I think five point one five right now. So, yeah, it's going to be an uphill battle for Yankee fans, I feel like we're all pretty mad about Hap because of the contract that he signed. Like, signing a 37- or 38-year-old pitcher to that $17 million, like... Yeah, it's only two years, man, and he, he yeah. didn't lose a regular season game. Well, and, that, and, and that one's also just, like, leftover frustration from the Yankees not signing Corbin, too. Yeah, but honestly, dude, Brian Cashman, what's, he, what's this guy doing? He doesn't know what he's doing, right? Fire cash. I mean, look, they got Luke Voigt for Chase and Shreve, and now he has a six ERA in AAA. So Cashman does not know what he's doing, clearly. <laughs> Chase and Shreve, what a blast. Fun fact the Yankees got Luke Voigt for Manny Benuelas. <laughs> Think about it. They traded, <laughs> right? They, they traded Benuelas in what was it, 2015, I think, for David Carpenter, Rip, Tim, and Shreve. And Shreve obviously became Voigt. So. <laughs> it's funny how that stuff works out. Andrew, high as hell. <laughs> oh man! Well, this has been late night um, thoughts with Andrew. On that, you know, I, 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 before Andrew goes on another rant about some former Yankee that was on the team in like 2002, um, we're gonna wrap it up uh, for the Bronx Bomber Battle Pod State of the Yankees edition. Uh, this was Luigi, Alex, Andrew, G. We we had the whole crew here tonight. Uh, This is the Bronx Bomber Battle Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Uh, Go Yanks.